All right, talking game two of the NBA on NBC 1995 playoff triple header. Jazz versus uh, Rockets, game five. This is the deciding game. So before I jump right into the game, I'm going to give a little bit of context first. Uh, Basically, this was supposed to be the best season uh, in the history of the Utah Jazz franchise. Uh, You know, Carl Malone, you know, had well established himself as like a top 10, I would say top five, top seven player. Um, You know, John Stockton coming off another all-star year and the Jazz winning 60 wins. So, you know, Jazz felt like this was their best opportunity, you know, their best team to win a championship. So 60 wins, third seed in the West, uh, in in a loaded West, you know, uh, Phoenix won 59 games, and that Phoenix team had Barkley and KJ, I believe, two Hall of Famers. And the Spurs uh, had the best record in the league at 62-20, and 20, led by David Robinson, uh, who was the MVP, and also uh, Dennis Rodman, obviously Hall of Famer. So, I believe that West was completely loaded. Uh, so, the win 60 wins was was really a great accomplishment. And that's why I believe the Jazz felt like that this was their best team. And, you know, this was the biggest game in their franchise. For the Rockets <clears throat> coming into this game, um, you know, there was a – first of all, I got to go back to the beginning of the season and, Really, Houston started off, got off to a slow start, and they were hovering around 50, you know, 500 for much of the season until they made the trade. Uh, and basically, you know, they tr- ended up trading Clyde Drexler, uh, getting Clyde Drexler back, and they ended up giving up Th- Otis Thorpe, uh, their power forward, who, you know, was a king sidekick on the boards, and they ended up giving him away, you know, pretty much. That's pretty much the gist of it. Um, and what that did for Houston, it completely remade their team. Number one, it gave Hakeem, you know, the best number two that he that he'd ever played with. And, you know, even though this was like, you know, Clyde, I believe that, you know, past his prime. You know, this is still better than anybody that Hakeem had Lajuan had ever had offensively to play with. And that includes Ralph Sampson to me. Uh, past prime Clyde, but past prime Clyde showed that he was still a pretty good fucking player and still a top five guard, top five two guard in the, in the game. Still, um, but Houston remade their team at the trade deadline. Uh, ended up finishing this season forty seven at thirty five. Uh, good for six in the West, uh, which sets up this rematch of the 1994 West Finals in which Houston smacked their ass in five. <clears throat> but um, for the series, Hakeem Olajuwon was averaging 35, eight, four assists, and two and a half blocks. Whew, man. And for the series, for the Jazz, Malone was was averaging 29 and 12. So Malone, who was averaging 26 and, and 11, 
the regular season, he elevated his his game, took his game a notch, notch to 29 and 12. Uh, and, you know, unfortunately for Malone, and I'm going to get to this more later, uh, he took his game up a notch. You know, nobody else really did for, on his team, and that was an issue. But back to the Rockets, uh, like I said, Hakeem was averaging 35, 8, and 4. Uh, Clyde was averaging 25 points for the series. Uh, really, the biggest thing for the Rockets, when Clyde played well, they won. When he was shit, they lost. Um, you know, game one, Clyde only had eight points. Uh, game four, he had 17 points, but, you know, didn't shoot well in that game uh, at all. Um, but, you know, in, in the game two win, which Houston dropped 140 on them, um, Clyde had 30. And then in game four, uh, he went off for 41. The Jazz needed the slower pace, uh, while the Rockets uh, wanted a faster pace. Uh, and the Rockets wanted a faster pace because they were just more, they, they had more athletes and they were more talented overall than the Jazz. Uh, I feel like I don't think the Houston Rockets and and the Phoenix Suns, the, the Rockets in particular, I don't think they get enough credit for like really pushing the three point line forward as a as as a weapon uh, in the game because you know up until then you know up until 1994 uh, before the Rockets and the Jazz really started you know shooting more threes, a lot, you know, a few more threes than everyone else, uh, you know, teams weren't really shooting them, you know, and even going into like 1992, 93, man, you know, we still had half the league shooting, you know, under 10 threes a game. So it wasn't until like 1994 when Houston and Phoenix, you know, started making it more of a weapon in their offense with their shooters, um, you know, that it become that it became a thing. And then Houston, I felt like, took it even more of a step further in how they remade the team at the trade deadline, surrounding Hakeem with just shooters at all times on the court, you know. So, Horry, Robert Horry was the stretch four. Uh, so, you had Clyde out there, Kenny Smith, Mario Ellie, you know, Sam Cassell, and these were like good shooters and you know they're getting wide open shots because you have a Kim Olajuwon ain't nobody in the world that's ever been able to guard the man one-on-one so he requires three people damn near all time so you're gonna get wide open wide open threes and as a result you look at the you get the top teams in the league you know, that particular year, they were, yeah, they were like, they used the three as a weapon. You look at the Orlando Magic, um, you look at the Phoenix Suns, but they were able to use them as a big weapon. Why? Because they play inside out. That's how you get the best fucking looks from three. Y'all want to jack all these threes? Y'all want to shoot all these threes? That's fine. When you play inside out, it's completely different. You're you're getting wide open threes. You know, there's no better look from three than when you're passing to a dominant big man. That big man passes it out to you. You're wide open versus like you running off screens and 
you know, you, you dribble, 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 and then you dragging a step back. I mean, okay, you, you go, you shoot enough of them, you go eventually make them, but the quality of the threes, our, our quality beats quantity. And the quality, and if y'all watch, you know, the, the, the Rockets play, and you watch how the Suns played, and they played inside out. Plus, Orlando played. You know, they're getting spot up. They're getting spot up threes where they can, like, literally just spot up and just take their time and shoot the threes. That's how wide open they are because their teams play inside out. And when you do that, you get better and from three. All right. So, I'm going um, to jump over here. Uh, into this game. I'm actually going to fast forward deep into the game. Um, so I would say midway through the second quarter, uh, Houston's up 39-30. Uh, both teams got off to a slow start, and which is to the Jazz' favor because of the first quarter ended up being low scoring, 19-18. Uh, Hakeem had it going. You know, Hakeem had eight. In the first quarter, uh, displaying his beautiful fadeaway. Uh, his fadeaway is on the Mount Rushmore fadeaways, a top five of fadeaways, whatever. However you rank fadeaways, you got to have Elijah Wan's fadeaway in the top five. Speaking of, hmm. Shit, let me, let me go on. Top five fadeaways. Let me see. Obviously, Jordan fadeaway is number one. I mean, that, that goes without question. Uh, number two would be Kobe. Uh, and I'm, I'm doing this off the top of my dome. Uh, number two would be Kobe. Uh, number three. Number three. Hmm. Damn. I'm going to have to come back to that. Number three. Because there's so many fadeaways, man. You can add on that. I mean, T-Mac had a cold fadeaway. His fadeaway was just as nasty as Kobe's. Uh, let me see. Man, fade, Wilt had a gr- amazing fadeaway, as I talked about on mid-range guys. With Wilt would like, he would fade into the, the to the double team, and the way he would fade is he would be fading like so far back, no one could ever like challenge the shot. Um, and he will shoot, and he will fade it back, and he would bank it off the glass too, well, off the off the backboard. No, that shit wasn't those 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 backboards was hard as hell back in the '60s. So his skill was amazing. Uh, <clears throat> and then of course you got Dirk's fadeaway. Fuck, you got to put that up there. So I mean, there's there's like a number of like. Guys that had like great fadeaways and shit, man. I'm gonna have to come back to that one day. But anyway, back back to this shit. Uh, what did I say? 39, 30, Houston. It's about like about four or five minutes left. Houston had momentum. You're like Houston about to run their ass off the out the gym. Uh, Kenny Smith had just made a three, and in this series, Kenny Smith, uh, TNT NBA on uh, NBA on TNT, Kenny Smith. Was 16 for 23 uh, at that point, uh, which is crazy from three. Um, <clears throat> Carl Malone, uh, Carl Malone was doing his thing. Uh, Carl Malone came out aggressive uh, from jump, uh, you know, getting to the hole. And uh, Carl Malone <clears throat> went to the line like 20 times in this game. 
you know, by this point <laughs> in the second quarter, and we talking about like three, four minutes left, he had already been to the line ten times. And <clears throat> and that's when NB, NBC put up this graphic about, you know, number of free throw attempts per game in the playoffs. Uh, like all time, you see like Jordan up there, you see Wilt up there. But number one is Carl Malone. And I was just like, damn, that's crazy. You know, and that just, and to me, like free throw line, the free throw attempts, that's a direct sign of aggressiveness. So that just shows that Carl Malone was taking that shit to the hole. Uh, and as this recap goes on, I'm going to. I'm going to talk more about why Malone gets a bad rap for, like, the Jazz uh, playoff failures. So, uh, but, like I said, 39, 30, about, like, three or four minutes left. Uh, Jazz closed on a strong run. Um, Once again, led by Carl Malone. Uh, Malone finished with uh, 19 points in the first half. Uh, the Jazz finished on the floor. Jeff Hornacek in particular went off. Uh, he scored the last eight points of the quarter for the Jazz, and the Jazz actually ended up taking the lead at halftime, 44 to 42. Um, and at the half, you know, um, you know, Drexler got cooking in the second quarter, um, which led to Houston kind of taking control of the game. Uh, Clyde at one point, Clyde didn't score in the first quarter, and at one point in the second quarter, Clyde had scored about uh, 14 straight Houston buckets. I mean, man, Clyde was cooking these little white Houston guards. Uh, Jeff Hornacek, barbecue chicken. Um, <clears throat> whoever was on him, man, it didn't it didn't matter. Um, Clyde was out there getting his reparations on these on these white boys. Um, but like I said, the Jazz came back, took the lead at halftime, 44-42. Uh, and then going into the second half uh, of this game, uh, the the Jazz took control in a in a third quarter. Uh, they had you they had the Rockets on the ropes. Um, so <clears throat> the Jazz took control. Uh, Jeff Hornacek was still going uh, from the, from the first half, so he came out hot. Uh, Hornacek finished with 19 uh, for the game, uh, but Malone picked up where he left off. And but just Houston could not get a fucking rebound to save their life. So 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 this so here so here it go. So at halftime, Houston was actually leading the Jazz in rebounding 23-16, but. You know, by this point in the third quarter, man, by the end of the third quarter, Houston had like two rebounds. The Jazz were annihilating them on the boards, um, and at the free throw line too. And that's and and as a result, Utah went up by as much as ten twice in that third quarter, uh, and they led by as much as seven throughout. And I'm gonna fast forward more uh, into this game. Uh, to about the 82-75 mark. Uh, this is like about five minutes in the game. Uh, Houston, for the first Houston, you know, the first half of this quarter, they just, they're hanging on. You know, they're trying to battle back. But, you know, the Jazz just have all the momentum. Um, and this is like a critical point in this game to me because 
if not, I believe if not for Houston championship uh, experience, they they might have folded. They might have been broken right here. What? Uh, um, so five minutes left. You're down seven, uh, and I thought this is where. And you're in Utah, though. You know, at this point, Utah is like the hardest place to play. You can't get a call in there. In there. You know, it's crazy. It's loud. Uh, you got Malone and Stockton tripping you, and Malone forearm you, and then you got Jeff Hornacek bear hugging you. And, you know, you just can't get a call there, and there's so many things going against you. Uh, but this is where the Rockets like showed that showed their asses right here. Um, it was a combination of their Hall of Fame role players, Robert Orby. Sam Cassell, Mario Ellie. Uh, Mario Ellie and Robert Ori should not need explanation because those guys have won. Those guys like won series. Uh, and in Robert Ori's case, you know, and in both Mario Ellie's case, because of what they did, their teams end up winning championships. Um, you know, Sam Cassell to me is another. He's a Hall of Fame role player. You t- the Houston Rockets don't win without Sam Cassell's contributions the year, you know, in 1994 off the bench. Uh, and in this game, I don't think they win without Sam Cassell because Sam Cassell did – he did a couple of little things here. Um, he got a strip. Uh, he got a strip on a player going to the hole, which led to a turnover uh, that they desperately needed. Uh, you know, Robert Orr made a couple of scrappy defensive plays. Uh, and and Mario Ellie, who hadn't scored, uh, made two big threes in this quarter. Uh, one to tie the game, and then another one uh, to they ended up be that 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 they gave Houston the lead. Um, so they stepped up and made shots. Um, you know, when they really, when they had to. And, and Hakeem, in these last five minutes, Hakeem showed why he's that dude. Uh, Hakeem scored 11 points in the fourth. He had eight of those 11 in these last five minutes, uh, including, and in the last two minutes, he scored six, six, six points. Uh, so Hakeem closed this shit out. And... <sighs> Man, you know, let me just talk about Kane real quick, man. I love me some Kane Olajuwon. Um, you know, and it, a game like this on the road um, where you need your, to me, you need your superstar. Like, road games, you need road playoff games. That's where they're su- That's where your superstars make money. Because, you know, it's easier for role players to show up at home. Hey, you got the people cheering for you. You know, you got your, fam- you got your family in the stands. Everything's going well. But on the road, you need your star player to set the tone, to instill that belief throughout in, in the entire team that I don't give a fuck where we are, we gonna win this shit. You need that big, you need you man, you need that big dog energy, and that's that's and that, that's what Hakeem had, that big dog energy. That's what Jordan had, and they were the same dude. Hakeem and Jordan, it's the same dude. If, if Jordan was a center, he would been a king. If, if Hakeem was a guard, he'd be Jordan. They the same fucking dude. And it showed here. Uh, you know, and it showed here. Uh, and, and a combination of Hakeem, uh, Clyde made a 
Clyde made some huge plays. Uh, I thought, like, shit that don't necessarily show up on a, on a stat sheet. Uh, he stripped Malone twice, uh, going to the hole on the potential, you know, going to the hole down the stretch. And Clyde got, like, about three big rebounds. Uh, in a time where Houston, you know, at this point, too, you, you know, at the 70, at the 82, 75 mark, Houston only has four fucking rebounds in the first, in the, in, in the half. Four. Just four rebounds in a half. So Clyde coming in, helping out, getting like them, getting like them two, the three rebounds in that last minute where they needed the rebound because they got the stop. Man, that shit huge. Like, little shit like that don't show up on the stat sheet. And Clyde stepped up, knocked down the, the free throws that, that closed out the game and made it 95-91 Houston. And, and Houston goes on to win. Uh, uh, they win that game five and win the series. Um, for, for Utah, I mean, what more could Malone do, man? The man had 35-10. and 10. The man got to the line 10 times. I mean, excuse me, 20 times. Um, and I thought he was outstanding down the stretch of this game. Uh, but, you know, he didn't, get in, he didn't get enough help. I mean, you got 19 from Hornacek, which is, you know, that's good. But the, the, the thing is, what about John Stockton, though? You know, Stockton only had 12 points. He was like 4 for 15 from the field. Um, and you can look at why the Jazz lost this game. That's a direct reason why. You know, when your number two guy doesn't step up and give you, doesn't step up, doesn't elevate his game, and you're going against dudes in Akeem and Clyde who combined for 64 just in this game, 64 points, um, you're going to come up short. And that was the and. And that's the thing with, with with the Jazz. And you look at the playoff losses. You know, you take a deep look into all the playoff losses. How many of those losses were, did John start to have like 12 points, 11 points, 10 points, you know, but yet, all, but yet Malone gets all the brunt of the blame. Oh, Malone, deer in headlights, Malone. And I, I was, and I was guilty of that shit too. Until like I came across this triple head, it made me look deeper and dive deeper into into John Stockton and what he was doing in these games. And you see a lot of eight points, you see a lot of ten points, you see a lot of twelve points, you see the occasional twenty some points, but that's few and too far in between to win a championship. And that's why Utah did not win a championship. Didn't have shit to do with Malone. Malone was more than great enough. Um he was never surrounded with enough offensive help uh, to do it. And the fact that the Jazz were able to, you know, get get it as deep as they were in the playoffs as consistently as they did, you know, when you got Malone scoring like 28 a game, but then you're the next guy is scoring like 13 or 14 points. And you're in the West with David Robinson. You're in the West with Barkley and KJ. You know, I mean, go. You know, you're in the West with Gary Payton, Kemp, and those outstandingly talented Seattle teams. You know, <laughs> this gonna be hard to win the championship. And then, not to mention, you got the fucking Hakeem Olajuwon, Clyde Drexler, and then they end up getting Barkley later. 
So it's kind of hard to win a championship. It's kind of hard to beat MJ in the finals. You know, when you when your next guy is like giving you like 12 points or 13 points or 10 points. So that's why that's why Utah didn't did not win a win a championship. You know. That's why. You know, put more I think put more of that blame on Stockton. Put more of that blame on Jerry Sloan as well, too, for for such a rigid system. And I actually think Stockton would have been better. I think he would have been more inclined to be more creative if he was not if 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 that pick and roll system wasn't so rigid. And you know, it, it I just think more of the blame should be should go around. It shouldn't just be, you know, thrown on uh Carl Malone. Um but that's it. But that's hey that's how the game go though, man. You know, Players get more. Some players get more credit than they deserve. Others get more, get less than they should. You know that's all part of the game. No, that's that's life. That's how sports flows. That's that's how life flows. You know, whether you are an employee at work or whether you got your own businesses, you know, kind of the same shit. So for Houston, um, Houston would go on. They would uh, have a rematch with the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Barkley and KJ Suns. Um, then they would beat them in seven, uh, and then they go on to beat the 62-win Spurs team led by David Robinson, the MVP. And y'all, y'all already remember how that shit. Y'all, y'all already remember that matchup and how it went. How y'all came smoked, smoked Robinson and everything. But, uh, but also too. Um, I, I'm gonna take this time too to give David Robinson some some credit too because, like Carl Malone, David Robinson was not surrounded with like great offensive help too. Now he had a little, he had more. I feel like he had more offensive help than Carl Malone. But you know you gotta get get David Robinson's team too. You know was Sean Elliott good enough to be a number two? You know on the championship team. You know, in this in that Western Conference with the teams that I just mentioned a mentioned a minute ago, you know Avery Johnson, you know Vinny Del Negro, you know you got Chuck Person, you know it's for to me I feel like David Robinson and Carl Malone, I mean they basically like <laughs> they basically players different players but basically players that were basically on the same type of teams. You know, just kind of t- very good teams. Teams with like good players. They just never had like a good enough number two uh, guy offensively. You know that can get them past you know Hakeem or 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 even or even you know to the Bulls. You know, so Rockets beat them in six games, uh, and Hakeem uh, will go on to face Shaq in the playoffs, and the Rockets and Magic. Um, I, you know, I remember, man, as a, as a fan, man, I thought, man, I was like, ooh, this shit going to be, man, this shit going to at least go seven, man. I don't know who going to win. And, uh, I was, I was, I'm still stunned and surprised at how, uh, how Houston annihilated the, the magic. Um, I'm still stunned uh, at how they did. Um, and we all know, you know, the Shaq. Hakeem matchup. Um, 
Hakeem would would win, would get the better of the matchup. But Shaq did his thing too in the matchup as well. You know, Shaq was still putting up twenty six and ten in that series. Uh, but it was just Hakeem was just was just so unreal, man. And you look at Hakeem even in that series. Um, Hakeem was averaging thirteen and, and twelve in that series against Shaq, and it, you know this is Shaq. Uh, so it just gets, shows you it's just the greatness of Hakeem and, and, you know, how cold he was. And, you know, Hakeem for that whole playoff in 95 averaged 33-10-3 on 55-plus percent shooting. Um, I'm going to just talk about Hakeem run, playoff run from 94 to 95. I mean, he beat Stockton and Malone tw- twice. Two Hall of Famers twice. He beat Barkley and KJ twice. And I believe KJ should be a Hall of Famer. Uh, you know, look, uh, whatever he, whatever allegations, whatever. But uh, there has, I think it should be a separation on the court. The man's a Hall of Famer. Uh, and then, you know, Sean Kemba. I believe Sean Kemba. Uh, no, nah, excuse me. Um, I don't know. I'm getting way ahead of myself, but then uh, he also beat Robinson and Rodman. Those are also two Hall of Famers, and you know, just defensively, what they, <laughs> what they were, man. Uh, Hakeem, that run was amazing, man. Like nobody ever had a run like that. Not even Jordan, like where Hakeem got a chance to face his biggest competition at the highest level. And he outplayed them badly. Uh, nobody had ever had that. It was like Hakeem basically did Jordan versus Drexler, like for for an entire for like every series for an entire two playoffs. That's that's how that's how badly he outplayed everybody. He annihilated everybody. That's why I say Hakeem is the center Jordan. Uh, they're the same dude, man. The same, basically the same fucking game. The only thing is Hakeem do Jordan moves in the post. And that's it. And Jordan do Hakeem moves on, on the post and, and outside. That's that's it. They do the same damn moves. They're the same dude. Uh, and then defensively, too. Uh, you know, just being able to not only deliver offensively, you know, at the rate he was, and still be able to maintain your his defense. His defense was still stellar. Um, you know his 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 closing speed, his range defensively uh, was fucking breathtaking. Um, to me, defensively, man, the only the only person that that's better than the king to me defensively would be Bill Russell. Um, th- that run he had, um, uh, you know. Annihilated Patrick Ewing in in the finals. Uh, Patrick Ewing only had twelve. You know he only averaged twenty points a game in that finals, but it was, but he only shot like thirty five percent from the field. While King was putting up twenty eight, uh, and King was shooting like well over fifty percent. Um, you know, uh, just an amazing two year stretch of, of basketball at the highest level. Um, so, all right, so I'm going to take a quick break. I'm going to come back with Bulls Magic, game one next.
Welcome back, y'all. All right, talking the last game of the triple header uh, that I found on YouTube from NBA on NBC. This is a uh, Magic versus Bulls game one. Uh, Bulls on the road against the Magic. Uh, this was um, this game. This this was you know number forty five Jordan. Jordan had just came you know back out of retirement. You know the last you know seventeen games of this season, um, and then going into the playoffs. Uh, you know, he was looking great. Uh, you know, first round series against Charlotte, you know, Jordan was averaging over 32 a game. Uh, however, uh, in the last game of that particular series, uh, Jordan injured his wrist. Uh, and apparently, you know, as, 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 as they said on the broadcast, it was bothering him. And from that point on, from the point he injured his wrist, uh, in the last game, the Charlotte game, uh, he was like seven for thirty uh, at one point, and then I'm gonna talk about this game shortly how sh- and how shitty he was in this game. But, um, but let me let me talk about more of the you know what the, what was going on you know before the game. You know, first of all, man, you know this is the Bulls. You know, Michael Jordan came back. You know, people, you know, people thought you thought of the Bulls as like an instant championship contender, like they're the team, you know, to beat. Um, you know, even with Jordan, you know, you know, showing Russ here or there. Uh, but for the most part, you know, Jordan, you know, looked the, looked the good, you know, despite, you know, not being in basketball shape, despite, you know, not playing like competitive basketball on that level for like, you know, shit, damn near two years. Um, you know, Jordan came back. He averaged twenty six a game. Uh, had the had the famous fifty five, the double nickel game in in the Garden, where you know he basically did that pretty much off jump shots. Uh, looking at that game, uh, and then like I said, Charlotte game got hurt. Whatever. Uh, for Orlando, you know, Orlando man, they were like the the up and coming team. Um, this Orlando team, along with uh, Phoenix, along with Houston, they were like the teams that really started using three-point as a weapon. And, you know, and how they did it just like Houston, inside out, just like Phoenix did it, inside out. Uh, as I mentioned on the last podcast, when you play inside out, you're going to get better quality of threes. You're not going you're not gonna have to rush the threes. You're going to get wide open threes as opposed to like, you know, you can get open threes when you move the ball, you know, when you're playing outside in, but the quality is just different, man. You're getting, you have a chance to get spot up, like, wide open threes when you play inside out, especially with somebody as dominant as Shaq was. And, you know, this is Orlando Shaq, and this is actually my favorite version of Shaq uh, because, you know, this Shaq, this was when he was at his athletic peak. You know, he was big and strong. You know, he's still the strongest dude in the league, but, you know, he, he was more mobile. He was more agile. He was more active. Uh, particularly defensively, uh, I just like Orlando Shaq better, better man. Like I think this was like um, my favorite version of Shaq. Um, and you know, surrounding Shaq, you had Penny Hardaway, young stud. Um, you know, Penny came out of college um, and was basically a top ten player. You know, by by this point, nineteen ninety five, um, that's how cold he was. 
Uh, but yeah, it was a lot of hype going on to going on around this game, you know. Um, and you know, just going into the game, um, it was a it was a back and forth. Uh, it was not a pretty offensive game. Uh, it was one of those games where both teams were struggling uh, on offense. Uh, it was a combination of missed shots, uh, but it was also a combination of good defense too. Or Orlando was really they really were, were hyped about this game. They were the more energetic team. They were the team that was actually getting the loose balls and getting deflections and uh, things of that nature. Like the hustle, the hustle plays. You know, Orlando was was doing that. Um, you know, crashing the offensive glass. Uh, you know, Orlando played. They really played. I thought they played a very smart game. You know, when they weren't getting the ball to Shaq. Um, they were posting up uh, Dennis Scott. They were posting up uh, Nick Anderson and obviously even Penny go post. Uh, but, you know, Nick Anderson and Dennis Scott in particular, uh, those guys had good success posting up. Um, you know, D- Nick Anderson had, t- what did Nick Anderson had? Nick Anderson had 20 in this game. And, you know, um, defensively, this was probably like one of the worst games I've seen Michael Jordan play. Uh, Nick Anderson was bodying him in the post, um, and just Jordan was just going for pump face, and he was just not in a good position uh, more often than not defensively. And uh, and I'm gonna talk about how he played offensively in a minute, but uh, he was a little tentative defensively, and you know he didn't, and, you know he was, and Nick Anderson was just basically bullying him like in the low post, just like. Dennis Scott was bullying and bodying, you know, Pippen uh, in the low post. Dennis Scott, uh, I thought, had a really good game and, and 14 points. Uh, like I said, he was able to body up Scotty in the post a couple of times. Uh, you know, hit a hit a couple of threes. Um, but he made a lot of he made some hustle plays too. Defensively, he got some strips. Um, you know, defensively took a charge or two. Uh, so it, this this was a this game. This was a role player game, you know, because, you know, in a series, you know, you have games where, you know, superstars are going to win the game. But then you also have like the games where the superstars, you know, don't have it. You know, they're struggling and the role players pick, pick it up. Uh, And that's kind of what happened in this game for really both teams. Um, You know, for Orlando, you know, I thought Horace Grant was outstanding, uh, 16 to 7. But just his activity defensively, um, really, Orlando did a really good job of keeping the Bulls on the perimeter. Uh, And like I said, Nick Anderson had 20. Dennis Scott had 14. And that was really the difference in the game. Uh, Orlando role players uh, played better. Um, And, you know, Penny... You know, Penny was five of twelve. Uh, he had 16, six assists, five steals, and uh, he. This was not a. Penny did not have a good game offensively in terms of scoring, but he had a good game in every other aspect. Um, uh, defensively, he was all over the place, uh, just playing passing lanes, helping. Um, you know, getting loose balls, uh, making sure to. Uh, to feed the high hand. So, you know, when when Nick Anderson had it going, you know, Penny was making sure to feed Nick Anderson. When Shaq had it going, you know, Penny always made sure to feed Shaq. Uh, but so he just played a very smart uh, overall game. 
uh, offensively. Um, I thought the only person in this game that really had like a, a dominant, a good dominant game was actually Shaq. Uh, Shaq had 26 and 11, uh, but you know, uh, he was Shaq was Shaq. Um, let me see, and let's talk about the board. Whew, this game. This game was, was this was probably like the worst game I've ever seen Jordan and Pippen play. Um, you know, let's start with Pippen. Uh, Pippen was two of eleven. I mean, he had ten boards, seven assists, but uh, Pippen was. This was the worst game I've seen him play. Uh, all offense, he was not. I, I didn't. I forgot that. I forgot he was on the fucking floor for half the game uh, until the announcer said something, and after he bricked his like knife shot uh to go to go one for nine uh, that's when i realized how bad he was <laughs> offensively and just how non-existent he was uh even as a playmaker man you know he really didn't scott it was like scotty was not engaged in his game at all and defensively i thought you know dennis scott was bodying him and then penny hardaway you know posted him up a couple of times. i know penny and penny got like a legendary post game uh, if y'all don't know, uh, but you know, still he was he was bodying Scotty, and uh, you know, Scotty was just not in the right place defensively at times, and uh, you know, it it was it was just a bad game. Um, and then for Jordan, who? Um, so the number forty-five Jordan. This was definitely not number twenty-three. Uh, Jordan was eight for twenty-two, nineteen points. Uh, at one point, he actually was like two for thirteen, uh, and you know they mentioned the bad wrist or whatever. But you know, big beyond the shooting percentage, um, just he got the tentative and and at times um, Jordan. I mean, he at times he looked like he was shying away from from the ball, shying away from the moment, especially like down toward the down the stretch of this game. And you know, you can see too, like things like he was not the same dude. Like uh, his timing was off. Uh, I ain't never seen Michael Jordan get get his shot blocked this many times in a game. Uh, and it was actually blocks that he could have avoided, blocks that he would have avoided, you know, had he been, you know, still in, you know, had his basketball sense and been in basketball shape. Uh, I thought Jordan got get. I thought he was gassed by the third quarter. Um, to and you know just just and when I say you know not his basketball sense like little things like being able to feel like a defender when they're creeping up behind you, um, you know just as Nick Anderson did you know in the closing um, minute of this game is to, to to steal the ball from Jordan and basically seal this win for Orlando, um, you know. Things like that. When you when you play basketball a lot, you get used to playing. You know, you can feel when people are around you. You can feel, you know, bodies around you. And Jordan had no sense of of that. Uh, and and throughout the game, even you know, there were times when guys were like, you know, D- Dennis Scott blocked his shot from behind, and you know, just it it was like Jordan didn't even realize to feel anybody behind him and. Um, you know, not, you know, just that little difference, being able to just maneuver or, or lean, lean into the shot to, to, to block the to, to block the defender. So those things like his timing was was way off and it showed in this game. Uh, and really for the Bulls, um, like I said, 
you know, for the Bulls that have still been in this game, you know, with Jordan and Pippen playing like trash. Uh, and, you know, this was not like a great group of role players for Chicago. Um, but, you know, Co-Coach has 17. You know, you got 11 from, from Steve Kerr. You had eight points from Bill, uh, from Will Purdue in 11 minutes. They even got fucking 14 points from Bill Winnington, man. You know, Luke Longley had about eight points. So, um, you know, they got enough from the role players to win this game. It's just that Jordan and Pippen were complete trash. Uh, they were hot garbage, and that's why the Bulls in, ended up losing this game, uh, 94-91. So Orlando take the one game to uh, one game to zero lead. Obviously, y'all know how this series played out. Um, Orlando will, will win this series uh, on the Bulls court. Uh, you know the famous you know picture of Horace Grant being like carried off like he won the heavyweight championship of the world. Or like it was like a scene. It it reminded me of like Bret Hart winning the winning the WWF title at WrestleMania ten, and like the entire locker room picked him up uh, by by his feet and they carried him around the ring. It was like some shit out of that. It was like, but it was like completely over the top. Orlando was celebrating like they won the championship. Uh, fast forward <laughs> to the finals. Hakeem and the Rockets sweep their ass back to Disney World or Disneyland or wherever. Um, and y'all know how this shit goes, man. The Bulls would go face the Magic in 96, sweep their ass off the court. Uh, and unfortunately, if you're a Magic fan, man, Penny and Shaq would part ways, and it was just never the same again. Uh, so, all right, I'm a... That's it for this Bulls Magic Game 1 recap. Y'all know what happened. Y'all already know the Bulls won three more championships. And, you know, Jordan submitted his status in 98 as the GOAT. Uh, but that's it for this recap of Bulls Magic. I'll be right back. That's what he do. That's what he do. That's that's what Shadow got to do. He just got to touch you. And Shadow is our cat. He's supposed to be one years old or some one years and, and eight, two. My wife said he's supposed to be two, but she think he older. She think he like a Dominican cat. Like, you know, like, like the Dominican pictures from the College World Series, like with the kids. Uh, the, the kids are supposed to be like 9 or 10, but they really are like about 19 or 20. <laughs> and it would normally be like the Dominican, the kids from the DR. <laughs> That's our cat, <laughs> Shadow. Uh, and, and and he know I'm talking about him too. <laughs> he is good. He is staring the hole through my chest right now. But anyway, <laughs> talking pools, magic game one. I just recapped it. Uh, but I actually want to go a little further. I want to talk, um, you know, Bulls versus Rockets. You know, the matchup that could have been but never happened. Uh, now, I know y'all y'all hear about Y'all know all that shit, like all the shit Robert Ory said, all the shit Kenny Smith said about, you know, the Rockets would have, you know, would have whooped the Bulls. Uh, my opinion is the 94... Bulls with a prime Jordan. Uh, they they, they would have beat that 94 Rocket team. No, no doubt. They would have beat them. It's just like my wife said, no doubt. 
they would have beat him. So you got you you still got Prime Jordan. You know this. You never you never retire. So he's coming back in basketball shape. He's basically exactly what he was the year before. You know when this man was averaging thirty six and six, uh, and you know still the by far the best player in the league. Well, not by far because the Rockets had a man who I think was damn near every bit as good as Jordan, every bit as great as Jordan, and a king. So I'm not going to say Jordan was, like, by far above everybody else, but, you know, except with the exception of a king, to me, that was the case. <clears throat> but even still, you have prime Jordan. You still got Pippen, uh, prime Pippen, and then also you got Horace Grant, B.J. Armstrong. So they have good role players. Uh, they just got Luke Longley that year, uh, Steve Kerr that year. So they have, so they have good role players. You know, around Pete Jordan and Pink uh, Pippen, and what Houston had, Houston had Hall of Fame role players uh, in in Mario Ellie, Sam Cassell, I think Kenny Smith, and and obviously Robert Ory. But he, that '94 Rocket team, they didn't have a bona fide number two. Um, I mean, who was their number two? What was it Sam Cassell? I mean, some nights it would be Vernon Maxwell. Some nights, so they didn't have a bona fide number two. They relied on their, on their, you know, collective ability uh, to 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 get things done. The collective ability of their of their role players in combination with the greatness of a king. Um, you know, Otis Thorpe. You know, Kenny Smith, Sam Cassell, Mario Elliott. I'm going through the team. Um, and that 94 team in no way would have beaten the Chicago Bulls. So, they, I don't see it. So, I, I think the 94 Bulls would have beaten the 94 Rockets. In the seven-game series, I think they would have beaten them in six games. Um, now, <clears throat> going into 95... I think it's different because, you know, let's say 90, let's say if the 95 Bulls, they still lose Horace Grant uh, in free agency. Uh, they're, I mean, by far their best interior defender. And, you know, we saw uh, the Bulls, how just how soft they were inside, you know, without Horace Grant in 95. And that was a big issue. That was the biggest issue with that team. Uh, they were just so soft inside. Um, they they were like no resistance, you know. Cool coach, Longley, you know. There was like no toughness there, and that's what Horace Grant brought, and he brought that over to the Orlando Magic, and that's what helped elevate them uh, as quickly uh, as Orlando did elevate, you know, as a team as far as like their success, getting to the finals. The youngest team by far to make the finals, uh, that '95 Orlando team, but. <sighs> Um, now, I think, you know, without Horace Grant, now their interior defense suffered. And like I said, it was the biggest issue uh, for the Bulls. Uh, even still with a prime Jordan, you know, prime Pippen, still, you still have to have toughness inside. You still got to be able to rebound. You still got to be able to body people. And that's what the Bulls couldn't do. <clears throat> now, look at the 95 Rockets. You know, they started off, they had the same team going into the new season as they did in 94 uh but they had to make changes because they started off so slow and 
it was a lot of chemistry issues. So they need to change the team. And how they changed their team was um, they brought, they traded for they basically traded oldest Thorpe, uh, Hakeem's like side kick on the boards, and you know tough brought interior toughness. And in exchange, they end up getting Clyde Drexel, and which a bona fide number two. And you know this Clyde Drexel, you know everybody thought he was washed. But he wasn't washed. Uh, was he, you know, Pete Clyde Drexler, you know, the dude that took the Blazers to three finals, to, uh, to two finals in three years, and, you know, basically was putting up 27, 6 and 6. He was basically the West Coast MJ. Um, you know, that Clyde Drexler. He wasn't, now he wasn't at that level. He was, to me, Clyde was, a, he was in decline. Uh, he was still an all-star, but, you know, he wasn't at his peak. But still, <clears throat> even so, this was like the best, probably offensively, he was probably the second best player Hakeem Olajuwon had, had played. He was probably the best player Hakeem Olajuwon had ever played with. You know, Hakeem never really played with a guy that was going to, that could get 40, you know, as, as Clyde did on several t- times, including the playoffs. Um, you know, King never had that. You know, Ralph Sampson, you know, very good player. Uh, but, you know, he was more of like somebody that was going to get you like 17, 18 points, something like that. But never, he wasn't going to explode for like 40 like Clyde could still do and did. <clears throat> so, King had, had never had that. You know, King had never played with a bona fide number two guy until now. And, and imagine if Hakeem and Clyde had played together a lot sooner. You know, I don't think the Bulls have. I don't think the. I don't think the Bulls win six championships if Hakeem and Clyde had have joined forces a lot sooner, like years sooner. Uh, it definitely would have changed things. Uh, and to me, the ninety, the ninety four Rockets. Just to go back to the ninety four Rockets for a quick second. They're the first three-point shooting team to actually. They're they're like the first three-point shooting team to win the championship. Um, they were like the, the Rockets that year, and the Suns. They were the two teams that really like used this. That started to use the three-point line as a weapon, as a major weapon in their offense, because they played inside out instead of kicking it out for mid-range jumpers. They said, you know what? Let's get a few. Let's get a couple of more shooters. We'll kick it out to the three-point shooters and. And bam, inside out, getting wide open threes. Uh, and they were the first, you know, the '94 Rockets were like the first team that <clears throat> that that won that won a championship, you know, shooting threes. You know, and then in '95, you know, Orlando and Houston, you know, both made the finals, uh, and they were like teams that also used the three point line as a big weapon in their offense, you know. Dump it down to Shaq for Orlando. Uh, you getting that Nick Anderson, Dennis Scott, Penny Hardaway, they getting wide open threes. So they used it as a major weapon in their offense, and they were like the first teams to kind of do that in the 90s. And I say that because how Houston constructed their team, you could not double down on the king. Um, so you double down on the king, that means you're going to leave Robert Ory open. You're going to leave San Francisco open. You're going to leave Kenny Smith open. Kenny Smith, one of the great three-point shooters ever. Um, you're going to leave, you know, Clyde Drexler open. And Clyde could knock down some open threes. Um, 
So that's how Houston played. You could not double team a team. And I look at the 95 Bulls. They have to trip. They have to double and triple a team. There's no, there's no, no other way they can do it. They have to double team a team because Hakeem is the center MJ. So whatever MJ's gonna get, Hakeem is gonna get that shit on them. So Jordan could go off for of 35 on them. That's fine. But Hakeem is gonna go off for of 35 and 11, <clears throat> and he's gonna close down the paint defensively. And like I said, with their three point shooting. They, you know, you can't double team a king. So the Bulls would have, I think the 95 Bulls and the 95 Rockets, that would not have ended well for the Bulls. I think if they had met, uh, the, I think the Rockets would have beat them. If, I think the Rockets would have beat them in at least, i say at least six games. I'm thinking more five because that's just, just how great Hakeem was. Uh, to me, he was damn near every bit as great as Jordan. Um, the only difference is Akeem didn't bring the ball up the court. That's that's pretty much the biggest difference between the guys. Other than that, it's the same damn dude. They're the same damn player. Uh, equally great. So, so yeah, I think the Bulls would have got him in 94. Uh, I think the Rockets would have gotten him in 95 had the Bulls not uh, resigned. You know, had they... You know, continue to not resign Horace Grant and, you know, not do something, you know, with the interior of their defense. So, all right, I'm going to cut this podcast short right here. I'm going to be back real soon with some special guests. Peace.